Hey, welcome to Story Guts, where the stories we talk about how the. Oh my goodness. Where, uh, where what the story, what we uh, talk I about. Think you just what, broke. <laughs> what the stories we tell tell about us. Yeah. We explore what the stories we tell tell about us. I'm Alice Lai. <laughs> and I'm Molly Curran. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for um, listening. And thanks once again for coming to LaCroix Hour. LaCroix Hour. Oh my god, Molly. Welcome to LaCroix Hour, sponsored by LaCroix. LaCroix. Ah, refreshing. Uh no, sorry, I just I just got a I just got home from a walk because I'm cat sitting for somebody and I had to go over to their house and, you know, feed their cats and such. So, and they had no LaCroix in their pantry. They had no LaCroix. Because they were plebs. They were plebeians unintroduced the wonders of sets or water. Mm-hmm. Actually, I have no idea if they had LaCroix. I did not look in their fridge. That is not part of my job. Right. I just oh, feed okay. their cats. So, I'm, so just out of curiosity, so you, you consider it, so you don't snoop. You, you have not snooped. I have not snooped. Um, this is a professor of mine, and I would like to remain on their good side so mm. i have not snooped <laughs> okay i mean i'm sure they wouldn't care if i like opened their fridge but it just literally has not occurred to me to do that so okay yeah i mean that's fair i mean that's fair i was just like mildly surprised i suppose <laughs> um i mean they're pretty open like they gave me a pretty full tour of their house i've like seen all the rooms and stuff mm-hmm. so because the cats like to hide in all the different rooms and i have to get visual oh. confirmation every day Oh, visual confirmation. They're doing all right, yeah. Yeah, you have to do like a site rep. You have to be like, what are the names of their cats before we go into our episode? Their names are Piper and Callisto. Oh, very classic names. I think, so on Twitter, I follow a lot of people who are gamers. And I think one of the funny thing is like every single gamer names their cat Pixel. Like I know so, it just seems like there's so many cats named Pixel, which is a cute name for a cat. I'm just saying... Um, it is a cute name. Yeah, it's like one of just one of those names that is really like surprisingly prevalent. It's kind of like how I've noticed that basically every trans woman is named Allison. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is that so? Well, a lot of them are. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, uh, as we mentioned last week, uh, we'd be talking about dads and fathers. Did we mention as- that? I think we did. Okay. Um, well, we did we did when we did the mothers episode that we would be doing a dad episode in the future and I think last yeah, and then last week was Father's Day. Call your dad if you haven't if you know his number and you'd like to be in contact with him. Right? Yeah, I mean in general that's good advice. Like <laughs> if you would like to be in contact with one of your parents, then you know, and you are able to do so, then do so, but otherwise don't no worries (laughs) i texted my dad on father's day uh because oh because i was in new york so alice and i were just in new york together um visiting a mutual friend of ours Mm -hmm. and uh 
I was like, I'm too busy living life in the big city. I'll just send my dad a text because that's the kind of daughter I am. No, he, so, was, he was totally fine with it. <laughs> no, I called um, I called my parents yesterday, uh, wish my dad a happy, like a belated happy Father's Day. And I, it was just sort of like, we don't really think it's, yeah. Like my mom was like, yeah, I, like we noticed you missed Father's Day. But I suppose like we're a family that um, likes each other enough that we like loves each other enough that we think the idea of having a specific day dedicated to a parent is weird. Um, oh my god, that's so much shade on like everybody. Everyone else, else? yeah, <laughs> it is. But the other thing is, and like, sorry, mom, sorry, dad. It's like we're not that affection of a family, um, <laughs> so it's not necessarily like we love each other a lot and we don't need a special day. It's just sort of like. A, a special day to profess our love seems like overly effusive. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but we thought so. We thought um, we'd be talking about like since like we did about mothers and like we'd be talking about like actual dads. So um, sorry, father figures. I mean, fictional dads, but fictional dads. <laughs> yeah, right, right. We're not going to talk so much about. I mean, obviously, these lines are really blurred, and it seems kind of, like, counterproductive to draw some kind of hard line between, like, quote-unquote actual dads versus, like, father figures. Um, mm -hmm. But for the purposes of this, just because we want to be able to, you know, not talk about literally every single thing under the sun, um, you know, we're going to be focusing more on, like, characters and figures who... Uh, are more traditionally understood to be like literal fathers rather than like a father figure, like a Mr. Rogers type, um, whom, mm -hmm. you know, we all love, but, um, or like Obi-Wan. Isn't necessarily just within the scope of what we're talking about right now. Um, right. I think we're talking sort of about like these kinds of, um, I think maybe part of what we're talking about is like sort of these connections or like familial relations that are, unavoidable in a certain sense or that are yeah. like um you know whether it's through um official or unofficial means like you you are tied to family in a way that you are not necessarily tied to like a father figure yeah i think that's yeah i think that's a great way to put it because um i think father figures and like mentors are kind of sidestep a lot of the messiness of family like you like i i was mentioned i mentioned like joking like obi-wan but it's like kind of like we don't have i mean we have obi-wan and luke right okay or anakin which one was it? anyways anyways anakin anakin well, i mean also luke i suppose well also yeah also luke. i mean okay, obi-wan and anakin were like closer in age and like call each other brothers so what okay Okay, yeah, right, because it was Qui-Gon. Sorry, I cannot remember the Star Wars stuff, even though I just recalled all of them. But, like, I think it is kind of interesting in the new Star Wars, uh, the way the the fact that, like, they grew up together, and there is, like, kind of, like, Luke and Han, and, like, he was like, yeah, I sent my son off to, like, Luke's, like, startup, like, you know, daycare startup, and then he went crazy, and I feel kind of guilty about that. Anyways, um... <sighs> versus uh i don't know <laughs> sorry yeah like versus like mentors and father figures are uncomplicated in a lot of ways just because they i mean they don't they have can, to be 
they okay, can so definitely sorry. still affect you and disappoint you. I mean, I feel like Harry and Dumbledore is a great example of this. Um, oh, that's true. Yeah. Can't, but, can't forget the big D. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I guess in a, in a way it is arbitrary, the sort of the delineation we're making. But um, yeah, I do, I do think there's something you said about particular kinds of um, inescapable societal and cultural ties, like whether you care about them or not, other people see like the, the sort of relationship between a father and a child as being in some way meaningful and uh, something you can't just get out of. Right. Like the, the term like deadbeat dad is, I mean, it represents a lot of things. It represents like abandoning your child and like making the mother care for it, even though you should have some responsibility in taking care of the children, child. Uh, I don't, okay. I didn't, you didn't really have an end to that thought. did You, <laughs> I, I you did just were not. kind of explaining what deadbeat dad meant. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I, I just did that thing in class. Um, I just explain something everyone knows <laughs> to fill some time. Uh, so. Um, so, at any rate, like I feel like fathers, <laughs> there are a lot of complicated fathers in 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 media in storytelling. Um, you know, starting with the the ultimate father of them all. You know, God. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Um, no, we won't get into that. Um, what? Okay. I mean, we can get into that if you want to. But I feel like every time we try to talk about Christianity, we just sound, like, very ignorant. Oh, absolutely. I know nothing about God. God knows nothing of me. <laughs> is he a bit of a deadbeat dad? <laughs> he is a little bit of a dead. So let's talk about the ways that, you know, God was a deadbeat dad to Jesus. Oh, my God. Himself... <laughs> oh, my God. He, um... You know, Jesus is like, have thou, you know, have you forsaken me, Father? And then, you know, God famously just, like, sent him uh, a birthday card every year, not on his birthday, but, like, with, like, a $5 Barnes & Noble gift card in it. Oh, my God. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, wow. So, yes, fathers, complicated. Um, I mean, would you say, I don't want to say, like, fathers are more complex figures than mothers in media. Because mm-hmm. I don't think that's quite accurate, but I would say I think there's an there's more of an abundance of father fa- fathers, and there's more of a range, um, mm-hmm. just because there are more men in media and like in storytelling, and people just care about men a lot. Oh yeah, I mean I think I think one thing kind of to if we're talking about fiction and we're talking about stories, uh, something that is important is that like um, fathers have been used at least you know recently there's a lot of discourse about this in the games atmosphere uh games sphere um but like fathers have been explored as a way for authors male authors to explore like their own feelings about being a dad or like raising a child um and like the preponderance and like the increased weight we give like parent like male authors or male creators means Mm -hmm. that this like we have a lot of like different ways in which this is approached versus like you know either mother a woman writing about mothers like you know there's a famous article where like 
it's seen as like kind of naive and simplistic and like oh you're right you're a woman writing about motherhood like shouldn't you try to be like pushing that or something and then like men writing about fatherhood is like oh you're so brave like you're you're really like rethinking what it means to be like the masculine identity um so which is like you know once again that common and frustrating double standard um yes yeah oh no what i wanted to say was um so when we talked about mothers one of the things we talked about was the fact that um there's a lot less room for mothers to be complex and to change and to make mistakes and be forgiven um especially in media that isn't even that isn't from that mother's point of view like i feel like if we're thinking like something through the eyes of the child like the the mother is going to be a bad mother is an unforgivable thing to be right um and i feel like for fathers that's i mean not that there aren't unforgivable fathers in media there absolutely are and Mm -hmm. you know when we talk about um inevitably game of thrones later (laughs) (laughs) i will mention a few of them but um but i think that the complexity of fathers is given a lot more weight i think um, men are allowed to be um difficult be distant um be not in their children's lives in certain ways or be harmful in their children's lives in certain ways, but still be understood that like deep down they love their child and they're doing whatever they're doing, you know, because of, or in spite of, or in, in the influence of love of their child. Right. Right. It's, I think fathers get a lot more slack in terms of like, well, you know, he's trying or like, or like the fatherhood, if it is like, you know, if, if the father is a bad dad, there's a lot of like, you know, how was the father treated as a child, you know, like, what are the, mm-hmm. the generational impacts mm-hmm. of, like, you know, how is the father doing the best he can, which is not to say, yeah, which I think is not to say, like, you know, if a dad is a bad dad, then fie to that dad, you know, but it's, it is, like, uh, we don't get, right, like, we don't get the same amount of introspection on the part of mothers and, like, mm-hmm. how that mother may have been insufficiently mothered, um right uh well with one exception here we go with oh, oh with, my god i know exactly what you're about to say one exception which is john mayer's greatest of all time song daughters which examines this concept of toxic masculinity in great detail well no by eliding over it and you know foregrounding the the feminine mystique at the center of the song. Anyways, John Mayer, uh, greatest yeah, ally. Thanks for all the hard work you do, John Mayer. Thanks for all the hard work you do, John Mayer. Do you know he was elected? You know, uh, official of a town. What? No, he's no. He we we call him Mayor John Mayer now. Oh my god! Okay, <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> hate you so much. <laughs> um, all right. Well. Okay, now that I've gotten that out of my system, and which is good because it's really been lodged in my system for the for the last four episodes, ever since the topic of John Mayer came up in our first Mother's episode. Um, yeah, how'd that come up? I wonder. Like, <laughs> you say as if it just came out of nowhere. Anyway. Anyway, right. So that's got to so to to circle back to our our topic before I you know forcibly derailed it. 
uh, with John Mayer talk. Um, right. Like, I think, uh, I mean, one one way that I think this manifests, I mean, I was just talking about games, like God of War recently came out, and there's a lot of, like, uh, the main character who is now a dad, like, used to be this god-killing, you know, merciless machine, and is like, oh, I have a son now. It's like, how do I take care of son? Um, and, you know, the mother is dead, and so, and so so the game partially is about, like, his relationship with his son. Um, and, like, some people, I haven't played the game myself, but some people have pointed out, like, the example of a mother in that game, there's the dead mother, uh, who, you know, is both blameless and is, like, to blame for not being around to help mm-hmm. uh, Kratos, the dad. Um, but there is a living mother who's, like, compassion, apparently, like, dooms her son. Like, she's seen as, like, clingy and overprotective and, like, like you know, suffocates the son in a certain, like, in a way that, like, ultimately kills him. Um, so... Whereas, like, yeah, whereas the dad is like, well, I may have, like, been away and I may have killed my previous family or something, but, like, Mm -hmm. what matters now is, like, I'm trying to help my, like, son, you know, grow up and, like, navigate my own demons. I think, I think the other thing that, um, and I don't know if this is true in the case you were just discussing, Mm -hmm. but it kind of reminded me is, I think that in stories of fatherhood, we're able to get more of this of the relationship between the father and the child um like as something unique with personality um mm-hmm. as something where the the father and the child like um have some kind of special bond i'm thinking a lot about like there are a lot of media where like the relationship between a father and a daughter is like very um I don't know, like, strong and moving, and, like, it, it is a huge aspect of both of their personalities, like, the relationship that they have. Well, and it, I feel it's... like with mothers, right, it's often just, like, the mother's feelings about being a mother generically, like, mm-hmm. I'm a mother of children. <laughs> and that's sort of, like, there's no sense of, like, what the relationship is, the unique relationship is between that mother and the specific people that are those children. Mm-hmm. Like the, like you could say, like, it's a secondary, it's a nuance, it's a nuanced textured thing when it's, like, a father and a daughter versus, like, yeah, and I think, I think I've kind of seen that, like, the... Um, yeah, and again, not universally, but just something I've noticed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if we, if we pull it to Harry Potter, right, it's, like, we're, when we're talking about, like, why is we have Sirius and, like, you know, Sirius and Harry's dad and, like, the ways that Harry has to, like, reconcile parts of that relationship with each of them, with, like, his, like, godfather and his father mm-hmm. um, versus, like, Mrs. Weasley and Lily where, um, like, Mrs. Weasley is kind of, like, she's great. Uh, <laughs> but, like, like we mentioned in our podcast, like, she, like, her love is, like, definitely kind of one-dimensional. Man, Remember? Okay, I won't. I won't derail us even further this episode. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I used to be a big fan of um, of media that really got into like father and daughter relationships, and I'm sure this is because, you know, I grew up with my dad. Like, you know, he's he was a single parent. I was a only child, um, and so like I really responded to and really liked a lot of these things that I saw. So like, 
I don't know, on the show Heroes, like, there was the relationship between Claire, the cheerleader, and her father, who's, like, um, very protective of her and very secretive about his life, but, um, like, their, their relationship is very strong and affecting, and, like, her relationship with her mom is fine and like his relationship with his son is fine but like really it's that relationship that feels so strong and like mm-hmm. in all the mary kate nashley movies like it was always their dad not their mom that they had around um and i don't know it's just this these sort of like young women who are who are who are being raised by sort of men who have to become understanding and compassionate and 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 gentle in all these ways that um Mm -hmm. maybe we expect of a mother but who also because they're men right are able to protect their daughters in particular ways as well um i think Mm -hmm. it's a very idealized sort of position yeah that's interesting um i mean especially i think in the in the way that you're explaining fatherhood and like these like uh protecting nurturing like where you're kind of talking about fathers as like exploring these like non masculine expressions um of themselves in a way that's like kind of socially understand or socially accessible mm-hmm. accessible sh- socially understood um of like uh Right, like the overprotective dad or like the dad like that understands how to um, use his strength in a way to like help other people and not in a way that's like destructive or something. Um, right, right. Or if he is destructive, um, there's always that spot of goodness that is his protection of his child. Mm-hmm. Um, or if he is, you know, it's sort of like the classic sort of like bad guy but he's got a kid or like the daughter that he loves and cares for or whatever. Um, and it's, that's like the bit of humanity or like gentleness that is allowed to men. Um, because, and especially, I think, especially with daughters, because daughters are, um, I mean, because they're female, because they're they're weak spots, they're considered to be especially vulnerable. They're considered to be not able to take care of themselves. And there's sort of this longstanding tradition of like fathers as the defenders of their daughters, um, you know, safety and chastity and blah, 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 blah. Virginity. Right, right. Yeah. Which, yeah, which in and of itself can, is, is a trope. Like the, the father who's like, you know, pulls the pulls the guy his daughter is dating aside and it's like if you touch a hair on her head i'm gonna take a shotgun and like blow off your balls um right exactly yeah yeah uh which which is some which is a trope that i've never it's a weird one i don't know it is it's and it's <laughs> um you know i think we're meant to see it as i think we've been socialized to see it as like this is how men show their affection for for their daughters is through protection and through violence Mm -hmm. when of course like what we should want is you know through support through understanding that like daughters are not their property Um, right yeah that doesn't mean you don't protect and take care of your child but like a father is not the owner of her of his daughter's you know sexuality or of her body right, or whatever right. like yeah yeah and then like that's where it gets yeah that's where it gets weird that's where like when you have like purity rings and like all of that yeah and like these like father-daughter like, the... uh dances at like purity balls and 
Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there there is the the classic marriage tradition of the father giving the daughter away, right to to the groom, um, mm-hmm. which you know, I mean. We're we're treading over ground. I think a lot of our listeners are probably aware of, like the the way that like women are viewed as property or or you know right. Marriage, I mean, you know, right. It's sort of a I, very classic and old feminist insight that you know women were property of their father and then were given as property to their husband and and like there's also ways of problematizing that because like we talk about that um, when you know simultaneously women and men were like literal property of you know both men and women in the case of like slavery so mm-hmm. we can problematize that formation um but it is fair enough to say that like um yeah like right and, and women also... were considered to be dependent upon um and in the control of the men in their lives and specifically their father or brothers if they didn't have father and then you know passed along to their husband yeah and it's like definitely nothing not not to uh yeah and i think it's it's also worth saying once again that like people like women do participate in these traditions like gladly and like because they represent like it represents something very important to them uh, and this is definitely not to be like, oh, anyone, any woman who allows herself to be given away by oh her father, etc. Et so, standard disclaimers apply. Um, um, but yeah, I think I think going back to what the original point was, which is that, um, which was that, oh yeah, uh, sort of like oh yeah, nurturing these right. depictions of fathers and like showing that their affection is sort of tied in with protective violence um kind of reifies our own um ways of of understanding gender Gender relations you know in within society um like this is this is where um you know taken is probably the famous and most uh the best distillation of this concept (laughs) ever right like um it begins with, uh, if you haven't seen Taken, I don't know. I Taken is kind of a guilty pleasure, but I recognize that it's like a ba- like a very bad movie in many ways. Um, I mean, interestingly, when I asked um, some of my friends, Becky and Ilana, when I asked them, "Oh, do you are, do you have any dads? Like, are there any good dads you can think of?" Because all they could think of were bad dads, and <laughs> like the first thing they were like, "Oh, Taken." <laughs> okay. It's like, yeah. So, so he's a, he's a but like I think that's right. I think we're meant to see him as a good dad. Um, the but best it is dad. A, questionable piece of media that I know a lot of people enjoy. It's not, I didn't love it, but I know a lot of people do. Right. No harm in yeah. that. It, it is the famous, I mean, I think, I think, I think it's a, it's, it's like yeah, a give, great. Give a summary of what it is. Right. It's a distillation of this, like, um, fatherhood as like a protector. Like at the very beginning, like you kind of, actually, this is kind of hilarious. Is like, um, his wife, he's, he's like divorced from his wife and his wife is like marrying some like rich jerk. Right. I think. I um, don't look at me. I've seen that movie once, and I remember only really like the fact the that famous... he like kills half of the people in France. No, he kills everyone in France. Oh, There's no bad. one left in France by the end of the movie. Um, right. Anyways, so like he he's trying to be he like he gets his daughter like a gift, and his daughter gets he gets totally upstaged by the rich jerk that his uh, wife was dating. Anyways, daughter goes to France. Daughter gets kidnapped. 
um, he like makes this extremely fame. He's like, give the phone to like the the kidnapper or whatever, and he like. Okay, you're not very... explaining this very well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so literally, his daughter calls him as people are breaking into her apartment and are going to take her, and so what he he tells her to like give him all the details that she sees, like narrate for him like what what's going on as much detail as possible. And then give the phone to the, um, the the kidnapper. And then he, when the kidnapper gets on the phone, he's basically like, "I have a set of skills, and I'm going to track you down and kill you." Um, right. Because he's like former CIA or something like that. He's like some kind of operative. Yeah. Um, and so then the rest of the movie is just Liam Neeson like, literally just killing a ton of people and torturing a ton of people in order to save his daughter. Um, right. From. Uh, I think some, human it's like trafficking. Some kind of, yeah, it's human trafficking. Um, some kind of process, like, yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's it's like human. sex trafficking. Um, and, yeah, and, like, that's that's the movie. <laughs> like, there's not really much <laughs> more to say. Like, that's the movie. Like, you're like, oh, are there any plot twists? It's like, there's not really any plot twists. He just, like, keeps finding more people to, like, shoot and stab and kill. Yeah. And then, and then like, spoiler alert, he saves his daughter. Yeah. Uh, he saves his daughter. There are, like, two other Taken movies at this point, um, which is very confusing. Uh, I think BoJack Horseman had that gag about Miss Taken, right? Where, like, I don't remember. Okay, okay. Basically, it was, like, a female version of Taken, but they had to delay it because of all those school shootings that were happening. Oh. Uh, mall shootings. Which seems really apropos because, like, Punisher got delayed multiple times for that reason. And it was apparently released. Like, I have never heard of the Netflix Punisher series at all. Oh, yeah, for sure. It came out. It, yeah, but I, I just, no one's talking about it. Probably oh. because it wasn't very good. I don't know. People um, I know were excited about it, but we're the same people who like Daredevil, so I clearly have nothing in common with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, so um, I think, and I think one other thing we kind of talked about, Dads, is like, um, we were talking a little bit about fathers in the opposite sense, like fathers and sons. And I think it's kind of like, it's kind of funny that we ended up in this like very like Oedipal Electra, like, you know, juxtaposition mm-hmm. or whatever, where like, um, we, I mean, there are, there's a lot of stuff where like the dad is like the hold, like the one holding the son back or whatever, mm-hmm. or like the, mm-hmm. the traditionalist being like, you'll never change the way things are and, you know, you'll come crawling back to me and I'll say, I told you so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I or mean, the I dad that... is like trying to force his child, his son to like live his dreams. Right. That's like a common one as well. Like, well, is it like, I, I thought, I thought there was a bunch where it's like the dad, like doesn't like the son wants to do something, but the dad is like, no, the, no, the, the dad is trying to force the child to live his, like, the dad's dream. Oh, I see. I like, see. the dad's yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. wanted to be a great baseball player, so you're going to be a great baseball player. I think these are in a lot of sports movies. <laughs> or High School Musical also. <laughs> I have never. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, like, maybe I have never seen any sports movie. Like, but I've maybe seen Angels in the Outfield. But, it, but it's, it's along the There's only lines, one right? father. We Sorry, just talked over each other so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> um. But it's along the same lines as what you're saying, basically, right? Of, like, the, the father con- trying to control the, the son's destiny and, like, tell the son what his life should be. Mm-hmm. And so the father becomes the enemy that has to either be 
defeated or like convinced otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I think this is like the classic kind of Disney, like maybe not Disney, but like Disney original feel good ending where like uh, the dad admits that was like he was just trying to protect the son from disappointment or whatever, or he was like he didn't believe in his son enough. It's like mm-hmm. I never should have doubted you, and the son's like it's all right, dad, I get it. Like I understand, like it was tough, but I like. Mm-hmm. And they both beat, like, the rival b- baseball team. Right. Um, well, and I think it's interesting because, like, it's not like in movies with fathers and daughters, you don't get, similarly, the father trying to control the daughter's destiny. Um, but I feel like there isn't the same sense, like, she might be angry, but there's never mm-hmm. the same sense that it's, um, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what I would say, like, of disrespect or of, like, uh, of, like, having to outdo the father. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually just like, okay, they're wrong. I have to, you know, make my right. own decision. So it's like, you know, you get in, um, like, I don't think we're supposed to, uh, find Princess Jasmine's dad to be like a bad guy or the to Sultan? think like, oh, she needs to like show him what's what. Like, mm-hmm. we're just like, oh, he's just kind of like a dumb dope who's like, oh, you have to get married. And, like, you have to marry a prince. And then by the end of the movie, he's like, oh, no, I want you to marry who you love. And you're like, cool. Mm-hmm. He learned his lesson without really there having to be any big conflict between him and his child over it. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, there, it wasn't, um, it w- didn't form, like, the core of, like, the, it wasn't, like, a driving motivation for, in this case, Princess Jasmine. Um, to prove her dad wrong. I guess it's kind of funny just because, like, we have Moana, where, like, it kind of was... Like, in Moana, yeah. like, they they deliberately try to subvert this by having... Um, by having... Yeah, like, by having Moana, like, have to defy her dad. No, actually, I think it's kind of interesting thinking about all the, all the movies, um, because I'm trying to think... Book of the Dead, like, did... I know Coco. I haven't seen Coco yet. I know Coco, and I don't remember Book of the Dead. So don't ask me any questions about it. Okay. All right. I mean, that's fair. I mean, Coco. All I know of, I've seen the trailers. I've heard it's really good. Um, Yeah, and then like the dad's like, "You'll never play music in our family," or something like music's forbidden or something. I don't know why you're asking me. I literally sorry. Sorry. Yeah, Yeah. I'm like. I'm looking with beseeching eyes to Molly to explain the, I don't these know. movies. I'm waiting to watch Coco because I was going to watch it with Becky, but she watched it twice with her family. So she's like, oh. I don't want to watch it right now. Ugh. So anyway. are you going to wait until Becky wants to see it, or are you going to like watch it with Ilana? Um, probably won't watch it with Ilana because Ilana is like very busy, so it's hard to catch her for anything. Okay. Um, anyway. Cool. Let's... What were we talking about that was actually related uh, fathers standing in the way of the sons versus um, right. fathers allowing... I mean, and again, like, fathers are standing in the way of their daughters, but I don't know. I, I, I wish I could find the way to say, like, why, like, Ariel and her dad or Jasmine and her dad feels, like, qualitatively different than... I mean, it's not a competition. It's not, like, an Oedipal situation, right? Mm-hmm. It's, like... um. It's it's more of a straightforward patriarchal situation, right? Of like yeah. the father trying to do what's right for the daughter, and um, and so like he is not in the wrong for wanting to do what's right by her. He just mistakes the way to do so. Right. Yeah. I think I think that's kind of like 
in in these situations in the father daughter situations it's it's about mistaken like it's about applying these beliefs to the wrong end versus like uh i think like disrespect or i think like directly oppositional right is is like the, the relationship between the father and the son is like agonistic yeah 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 i don't know but so do we want to i mean we've kind of been getting into examples but are there any like examples you specifically want to get into aka this me saying can i talk about game of thrones now no you can't because i want to talk about the simpsons or calvin and Hobbes, where we have like the 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 doofy dad like i don't know the the doofy dad i think calvin and Hobbes, um or at least and like in the in the subversion outside with someone they met like uh and she mentioned like the subversion of like the father knows best to come uh of like uh uh, the Cosby family or something. Um, I mean, I feel like, like nowadays, like the, like the doofy dad is the standard. Yeah. Right? And we talked about this when we were talking about mothers, like mothers as being shown to be hyper competent and fathers as sort of like well-meaning doofuses mm-hmm. and the way that this kind of lets men off the hook of having to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and I think, I mean, what what is interesting about about this? I mean, I guess like Calvin's father is kind of interesting of Calvin and Hobbes because he, I mean, both of their character. I mean, it's it's kind of funny just because Calvin's dad is kind of more fleshed out um, as like always being like, oh, this is going to build character. Like you know, he has this like catchphrase of like, I'm this is going this builds character. He like explain like misleads Calvin in a lot of ways, um, but we kind of see see that as not I guess it's not malicious I guess it's kind of like Calvin's dad is like gently trolling Calvin in a way that like is the genuine like it's not that like having diarrhea builds character it's that recognizing that statement as kind of bullshit is like the true lesson that his dad is like trying (laughs) Like, maybe not, like, directly, but, like, as readers, we're just kind of, like, how, like, you know, Calvin understands these comments to be, like, um, or, like, when his dad is, like, talking about the reason that, you know, black and white photos are black and white is because everything was black and white, and the world invented color around, like, 19, like, everything started becoming in color in 1970 or something. Um, You know that color started before God. okay <laughs> okay i can't i i am horrible at history you can probably tell <laughs> like um, you know the first movie that was in color was the wizard of oz what really yeah which one which oh. one <laughs> the wizard of oz <laughs> sorry I, I was thinking of the animated film for some reason um cannot imagine why um was uh, there an animated Wizard of Oz movie? I mean, probably, but not one I know. Okay, well, certainly not like the first color movie. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, oh. um, so so it is it is. I mean, to that is it's an interesting like when you're a dad, you can kind of mess with your your son in a, in certain ways, um, and that's like benign like it's not like deliberately misleading your child or i don't know like the San- whole santa claus thing or or yeah. whatever it's like it's it's a it's a lesson that you're teaching your child the hard way 
Um, and like, I mean, and then like we look at The Simpsons, we look at Homer, and it's like, I mean, it's really weird. I mean, like if we look at Homer, if we, I have, uh, I have, I have not really, I'm not familiar with Family Guy, but I imagine the dynamic isn't very different. Where like the the sensible like man of the house, the father of the family, like is at best like a neutral force, and at worst is like actively destructive. Um, yeah, towards I mean, the I think development that's how it of the family. Yes. Yeah. D- I mean, did you have more to say about that? Like, no. I, I think have... you should add more. Like, elaborate. Okay. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, what is what is it about this trend that um, that is interesting, or that is? I mean, because to me, at this point, like that trend is very commonplace mm-hmm. and kind of like boring. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I. Uh, and I kind of do wonder, like, when did that become the norm? Like, um, you know, I'm sure we've always had sort of, like, goofy dads on TV. Um, in part because, like, men were often TV stars, so they probably were allowed a broader range of things to do, including mm-hmm. be funny. Um, but I think this sort of particular kind of, like, sitcom slob dad... Sitcom uh, slob, yeah. ...has been a trope, really, of, you know... Yeah, maybe ushered in in the 80s, 90s. Um, and I, I almost wonder if we're, like, going to or have been moving away from it. I haven't really watched any, like, family-based sitcoms in a while, though. Um, I think maybe that's, maybe that is the way. I mean, it's interesting because when we're talking, we've talked about, like, Mindy Project or uh, Jane the Virgin, where we, we kind of get, like, people starting families. Yeah. Um, people, like, coming into the roles of mother or of father versus, like, these established roles, which maybe, like, maybe is a reason, like, maybe these sitcoms have, like, poisoned the well for, like, established fathers. Um I haven't seen I haven't seen Roseanne. Um, I'm a, I'm aware that that's like an established de- like an established dad. Um, but yeah, I mean I think the the way of these fathers is being so as like the sitcom slob, the Homers, the Family Guy dad whose name I cannot remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean this is this is kind of like a conspiracy theory reading of it, but like it is like the the bar is set so low for for being a dad that like dads watching it can be like at least I'm better than Homer Simpson um which is well and I don't think like I don't think we're meant to see Homer Simpson as a bad dad I think we're meant to see him as a good dad I think we're meant to see uh maybe not the dude from Family Guy but I think we're meant to see like these sitcom slob dads as good dads they're just uh-huh. doofuses but they're good dads they have a good heart um you know, they, they, they care about their children. They care about their families. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I said this in our mother's episode, like almost this exact same thing. Um, <laughs> but like, right. you know, we're, we're being sold this idea that um, it's okay for a man to be, um, you know, basically incompetent and lazy and useless if he's good, if he has a good heart, if he's kind, because the alternative is so much worse. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think as, as women, like, we do internalize that, um, and probably men internalize that as well, that, you know, as long as you're good and kind, like, who cares if you help clean up around the house? Who cares mm-hmm. if you're ultimately sort of this chaotic, destructive force? Because you've got a good heart. You aren't hurting your kids. You aren't hurting your wife. And, and what you is, love that. Yeah, and what is, I think, even 
and what is like kind of sinister ultimately like kind of sinister about all of this is like in the simpsons we have i mean it, it's a running gag is that homer like chokes bart as like a fun gag right have have you seen the simpsons a lot i have but i don't i don't have i don't have strong memories of it i'll be real okay okay right but I'm like more frequently fam- i remember more homer's relationship with lisa than i do with bart mm-hmm. yeah yeah which i think is very different like yeah. of like the troublemaker who's like testing his father's patience but like there's like it's a it's a running gag because like homer like you know goes like why are you little and then like chokes his son mm, that just sounds um, familiar yeah 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 right and, and then like, it's ha ha yeah right and like and you're like okay it's not like you know it's not an act of like violence in the traditional sense but like if homer like slapped his son like if we replace those scenes with like homer like backhanding his son the show gets extremely dark yeah and extremely like the palatability of it goes down way far and i think it's like and i think it is like kind of weird that we have this like as long as they have a good heart and we only act like a little violently a little bit of violence towards our family but like in the accepted like he was asking for you know bart like maybe bart was asking for it or like Mm -hmm. i don't remember the exact scenarios but like in a lot of ways you know in many of them he was like being kind of a brat and then homer was like you know chokes him out a little bit i really hope that's the correct term um and and it is like played for laughs. Um, so so we have established this like kind of like this bad father, like this good father Homer. Like we actually, yeah, you're right. Like Homer isn't seen as a bad father. He's seen as kind of like maybe like a low bar. I mean, I think he's supposed um, to be. He's certainly. supposed to be. Yeah, he's supposed to be sort of like your average Joe, but a little dumber and a little sillier. Like that, mm-hmm. you know, but. Like, Homer is supposed to be, like, yeah, he's your average guy, but, you know, played for laughs, so it's a little... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but... yeah, I mean, no, no, I, th- I think that's I think that's it. I mean, I think that, that is, like, a kind of... Um, the normalization of, like, corporeal punishment is, like, definitely... Definitely kind of weird. I have really strong opinions on corporeal punishment, um, but... And I mean, in, in this case, I mean, I have not seen the Cosby Show. I have not seen like the the classic like father knows best sitcoms is the way that uh, my friend described them to me. But um, yeah, I haven't either. Yeah, so unfortunately, I can't. Like you know, I've seen I've only seen the like the recent ones where like the goofy father is you know is what it is. Um, as we were sort of talking about this, like the the good enough guardian, and I do think like. There's a whole concept of good enough parenting, and I do think that's important, so I don't want to diminish that. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess what I mean is, like, the that, like, just caring about your child is enough um, mm-hmm. if you aren't able to, like, follow through and, like, take care of them and protect them or whatever, do, do what's in their best interest. Um, and so this idea of, like, Homer is like, yeah, he's a pretty good dad, really, all things considered. It was making me mm-hmm. think about um, a series of unfortunate events, which... Um, <laughs> I really enjoy for its extremely anti-adult stance. <laughs> um, but one of the things that comes up again and again is like, yes, there's like one really, really horrible guardian um, who is Count Olaf, who does backhand, you know, the boy who is like very 
disgusting and gross with the girl and like you know it's mm-hmm. it's um who's clearly this very villainous figure trying to sort of be the the children's like quote unquote father um right but but like even when they have other guardians like the other guardians fail them even the ones that care about them even the ones that like want to try to look out for them they fail them mm-hmm. in like all these other ways whether it's not believing them when they try to explain something or not um you know not being brave enough to sort of go Get outside their out comfort of... zone in order to protect them or whatever it uh-huh. is um and yeah i don't know that's sort of a side note i guess um but mm-hmm. i just i feel like that's not something that i see very often um is like really putting pressure on this idea of the the um the guardian with the good heart but who can't really do anything being acceptable right right um, yeah no i think i think that's interesting uh like i have i've only seen like the tv show parts of the tv show but like the way of like yeah i, I think i think one i do accept like parents are people and we can't expect perfection out of them right um, of course but of course but of course like what you're what you're looking at in that context of uh, a series of unfortunate events as like um you cannot call yourself like there are some lines that shouldn't be crossed and like if you or that have to be pushed or like whatever like these situations of like these children that are endangered um and if you do not believe them you can't call yourself a good guardian you can't call yourself like a good yeah you can't call yourself like a good parent parental figure if you do not believe your child um yeah. Right? Is that is that kind yeah, of Yeah, no, I think that's essentially like even the best of their guardians that they end up with don't can't can't like believe what they're telling them or don't like understand um or won't back them up when they're trying to say, you know, like this this person's obviously Count Olaf and he's trying to kill us and blah blah blah. blah, blah. <laughs> right, this person and, like, of course it's is all trying over the top and absurd, but there is like this fundamental just like adults not believing children about their own the danger that they are in and like a real condemnation of that um that i think is refreshing yeah um so that kind of drifted off of fathers a little bit but well um, yeah yeah but i think i mean i think it was a formative discussion yeah um do you want to add any other father thoughts not not at the moment. So please please tell us I mean, I think I think Game of Thrones is like for for all the jokes I make about Molly g- talking about Game of Thrones. Like I think it is like a very interesting topic of like a long-running like dynastic show with a lot of like with a lot of figure like it touches on a lot of tropes that we've been discussing yeah. partly because I mean, like, I don't we... just bring it up like out of nowhere. Like I just think like the things we talk about can be seen not just once not just twice but a lot of times in in game of thrones because it's so long and it's so big and it's thinking through so many things and it's doing so Mm -hmm. in you know really complicated and problematic and occasionally terrible (laughs) ways um but usually interesting Um, yeah i i think something that yeah i think something that's really interesting is like the way that we have always like people have always used myth and fantasy to explore topics um, and in the specific, like, context of, like, the way that this show specifically, you know, Story Guts, 
is like we we'd say we talk about Western myth a lot, um, and George R. R. Martin basing this story on like a real conflict seen through like the lens of Western mythology, um, I think brings a lot of that up, unearths a lot of like the preoccupations we have with like, you know, we talked about Game of Thrones and like the seasons, about like seasons, about like the woods, about ice, about, you know, mothers, about families. Um, because these are things that as people living in like as people who are, you know, European, like uh, or like Britain American, like these are things that we have grappled with as a culture a mm-hmm. lot um mm-hmm. so like you know whether it's like the the crisp apples apple orchard or whatever um, <laughs> that is one thing that does not sorry that was a weird weird pull but <laughs> yeah <laughs> but anyways um, um so yeah so fuck yeah dads, dads. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean i don't think there's like a ton to say here and part of it's because like unlike with the mothers of game of thrones like i'm not that interested in most of the, the dads um mm-hmm. like but i think i think there is a really remarkable wealth of bad dads who are bad in really really intense ways <laughs> um yeah. and i think which i mean sort of adds to the irony of like the vitriol that like someone like catelyn stark receives when the fathers of your series are you know a tywin lannister who is cruel abusive um just basically as bad as you can get except for the fact that randall tarley also exists who is cruel and abusive and right um and the fact that someone like craster exists who i won't even get into but if you know the series you know that he is right the worst or, or, um, probably or the... the worst possible dad that could oh. exist um mm-hmm. And yeah, and so like in in sort of in that range of things, it's it's interesting that you know even um, you know even characters we like like you know Jamie Lannister. Jamie is a father um, who isn't really able to act as a father to his children, um, and mm-hmm. you know in the books it's kind of clear that he doesn't really want to. Um, in the show, they make him a bit more um, interested in that like, and sympathetic, but he's still sort of fails to be able to do anything to protect his children. Sorry, what were you saying? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I was just talking about Jamie as, like, in the shows... Yeah, in the books, he's just, like... it. Yeah, in the shows, he's always, like, well, I've been prevented by society for acting as a father. That's something that Cersei attempts to move with, right? You're like, we... Like, the Targaryens did it. We could live openly. You can, like, finally be the father you've wanted to be and not, like, in the shadows um, to the, to your children. Yeah. Um, right, exactly. So like, Whereas I think yeah. in the books, he really, he just like, he's kind of like, Cersei, it's all about Cersei. And I have some kids, and that's fine, but Cersei. Um, yeah. And, and, and you know, like, I, I don't know if this is controversial or not, but, like, I don't think that Ned Stark was that great of a father. I think, obviously, in the world of Game of Thrones, like, he was pretty good. Um, but he... And he, he tried to do his best, but he, like, really left his children um, unprepared for the world as it actually is. Um, you know, people, <laughs> I mean, and again, as a huge Sansa fan, like, this comes up a lot. But, like, people give Sansa a whole lot of shit for being really naive, for thinking that, like, marrying a prince is just going to, like, be awesome and all this great stuff. And not, like, being able to see Joffrey for who he really is. But, mm-hmm. you know, her parents were the ones who 
raised her like, into that. Like, told her these stories. Right. Yeah. Like, they, you know, her father just expected her to be this, um, you know, she really was the ideal daughter. She wanted to be this, like, perfect lady. That's what her father expected of her. That's what her father expected of Arya. Um, and, like, yeah, he makes accommodations because he is a good dad. But, um, you know, he, 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 despite his better judgment, arranges a betrothal, like, for mm-hmm. his you know, small daughter to uh, a boy that he doesn't know anything about. Um, mm-hmm. He, and then there's the entire John thing, which I just <laughs> like, oh boy. Like, so, so he, the, the... he is both a very good father to John in that, like, he clearly takes John on as his own. He sees John as his son. Um, like, there's no doubt in my mind that John is every bit his son that uh-huh. as like, as Rob or Bran or any of them. Um, but the position that he puts John in and the position that he puts the rest of his family in with regard to John, including Catelyn, um, is really, really, really fucked up. Um, <laughs> and it's so hard not to be frustrated that he couldn't find another way or find mm-hmm. a way of, um, you know, at least opening up to his wife about the truth or, you know, finding right. some way to make things easier for for John, who feels like he is this huge stain on his, like, perfect father's legacy. Um, right. When, like, n- you know, nothing could be further from the truth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think that's really interesting. Let's, I mean, like, to, to dig it, like, everyone kind of knows that Tywin, or, like, we can get in whether this is true or not, um, but, like, but like Tywin, um, or you know the people who did the red wedding, the phrase, the phrase, or like Stannis, like as dads are probably like not not great, but I think Ned does like a lot of people see Ned as like the best dad, and I think you've you've clearly eludicated like Ned was a good dad, maybe if you accepted this like storybook fantasy not like the the completely boring straight laced fantasy novel um like Ned maybe would have been an adequate dad yeah i mean right? it, like, yeah he's yes <laughs> like i, I mean right. I, again i think he's like a pretty good dad considering the societal blah 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 um mm-hmm. and but there's he... a lot going on but yeah i think you're right like i don't think we're meant to see him as this perfect father figure that i think a lot of people idealize him as Mm-hmm. No, no, I think you're right. I mean, I think I think it's it, it is like um, what is interesting. To think of Ned like in the context of like uh, when the book starts out, like he goes like Arya. You know, he's like Arya's like the tom uh, tomboy. He's right, like he's like oh, like well, we really need his like marrying to uh, strengthen our alliances. Like he doesn't put he doesn't do any of the things that we would like. Uh, he doesn't push back against of these like social traditions, right? Um, and the fact that you know he kind of allows, he kind of under both understands that like John, like John takes the black, John like leaves his family voluntarily because he kind of um, feels driven there, like because of his status as like an illegitimate child, because of the fact that his he clearly understands that his mother kind of resents him or like doesn't like him very much because he's an illegitimate child mm-hmm. and like as the person who founded this lie <laughs> who like uh, establishes this lie like 
uh, Ned Stark is in the perfect position to kind of be like, hey, like, um, I am adopting a kid, and let's, like, let's not talk about, like, you know, there is a, there is a situation of, like, um, both, like, the fact that he places the, like, his friends, I guess, like, his friends' privacy over, like, the happiness of his wife and son is... Wait, what do you mean, his friends' privacy? Uh, John's... Wait, how did... Did you... Okay, okay, John is the child of Ned Stark's sister, Lyanna, and Vagar Targaryen. So John's... Right, okay. John's identity is hidden for his own safety, because Mm -hmm. Robert, Ned's best friend... Is like I'm gonna fucking kill all the Targaryens. All the Targaryens, Um, right? And like it makes sense that Ned didn't tell Catelyn the truth at first. They didn't know each other. Like they Uh they married out of duty. Um, But just the fact they were married for, I guess in the books probably like 18 years or something. Well, no, Rob Uh is 15, so like 15 years, 16 years. Um, In the in the show, maybe more like 18 years. But they're you know they're married nearly 20 years. They clearly love each other. They clearly trust each other. And the fact that, like, at no point did Ned go, like, hey, look, this is going to be awkward, but you need to know the truth about John because Mm -hmm. you are not being fair to him and we need to protect him. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, just, it grates. It grates on me. Uh Yeah, and I think this is maybe, there's an interesting kind of broader statement about um, fathers. There... There's something about both legacy and ignorance of legacy uh, at work in Game of Thrones, and I think maybe in a broader context, where within Game of Thrones, we have a lot of fathers who are very interested in the way that they um, are remembered, in the way that the family will continue without them, but they fail to make allowances for, like, what happens if there's an accident. Like, mm-hmm. um, we have we have both both Ned Stark and Tywin Lannister and, like, uh, the phrase and like the Bolton guy, um, Bolton's dad. Um, Bruce Bolton. All all of them are interested in the family as a unit, as like a you know continuous line, um, but none of them really tell their ch- children uh, what to do in the event of their untimely death. Which in that universe happens a it does happen a lot. People kind of die. Uh, unexpectedly frequently so like when Tywin like and part of that is at least in that sense about power right like um, specifically like the Bolton what's the name of the Bolton's dad Roose Bolton something Roose Bolton there and you go and then the son is Ramsay Bolton right yeah like Roose Bolton in a way he's like I can't trust Ramsay Bolton with too much information or else he'll like usurp me and kill me because he's a psychopath um, which he does like like me um and Tywin is this sort of like I don't trust anyone else to to manage the family, and I'll be around, like you know, I'll be able to handle it when it comes. Right. Um, I mean, the only person he wants to put any power in, like he wants to give any power to, is Jamie, who is like the one person who doesn't want it, isn't mm-hmm. suited to it, isn't in a position to take on any power, um, and like yeah, and isn't in a position to act upon the power that you know Tywin would need to enact his plans. Right. But like, of course, um, of course, Tywin wants his you know, able-bodied, handsome young son to be his heir and not, you know, his daughter or his uh, dwarf son. Right. Fucking Tywin. Um, piece of shit. Tywin. Um, 
and and then we have yeah i mean i think i think it's interesting for like these uh for as much as these people talk about um legacy that it's not it's not acted upon and i think we see this in a lot of other um at least in some other books Uh, i'm just thinking of talking to ourselves which i mentioned in our mother's episode too is like in that book, uh, the, the, to, to sort of briefly recap, there is a trucker who's dying of cancer, and he, he like, takes his son on this one last road trip. Um, he, like, tries to impart as much wisdom onto his son as possible, but, like, without... I mean, it's, it's just interesting. It's, like, in, in, a, in a, it's a totality. It's, like, he doesn't consider, really, the fact that the mother will be alive to raise his son, Mm -hmm. Um, or, like, doesn't really consider, like, how the mother, um, doesn't, like, I don't know, I mean, it's kind of, kind of weird to talk about, like, coordinating with the mother to, like, how to raise your son after you die, but, like, um, it is interesting, like, in that book, it is a cooperative, like, raising your child is, it should be a cooperative process, but he just sort of, like, tells his son to, like, take no guff and, like, beat up people who make fun of you, and then his mother is kind of, like, left with the consequences of of the fact that like the father that her child idolizes who is now dead gave him a lot of advice that is like kind of harmful (laughs) um and there's no way to like yeah i mean i i think it's uh i mean the the inimical like the way like the parents parenting and maybe this is like goes back to what we we're talking about earlier about fathers and sons and like the the way that they like butt heads um is how you know the oh crap i just i just lost it <laughs> okay it was something about <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry it's everyone okay. this has late. been a messy episode <laughs> it's late we're tired um, and we've been going on for quite a while, so um, yeah, we can we can wrap it up there. I think, I think that was. Oh cool. man, let's let's try to find something a little more co- concrete to wrap it up on. <laughs> concrete, dads can't live dads. with them. Can't live without them. Oh, but sometimes come people on. do both. Oh come on! Oh no, I've got it! I've got it! Okay, fathers. All right. Be good to your daughters. Oh, Molly, you cannot take spin that around on me. Oh. Um, okay, all right, I think, all right. No, we'll... I, I actually want to, what I want to do is I want to re-hit your point about, because um, I think this is really interesting, this idea of um, fathers who are interested in legacy but not interested in the individual, like, family like the family as a relationship um Uh because i think like that's a really you know like i think um that's maybe not what like maybe part of why we see this like agonistic relationship between fathers and sons is that whereas with fathers Mm -hmm. and daughters the daughters are a part of the legacy but in a completely different way right so Mm -hmm. fathers can see their daughters as people but they're people within their control whereas sons Mm -hmm. are supposed to carry on the legacy there's supposed to be continuity the the daughter isn't continuity the daughter is a pawn to be moved about um Mm -hmm. to better enable that continuity over here (laughs) Um, right i i guess i guess the the gendered way it expresses is sort of like 
Um, you have, I mean, this is kind of reductive, but like, you know, you have like the male advice, like the male rearing and the female rearing and like the, like the son will over, will potentially overwrite your lessons with, you know, his own lessons. Whereas like the woman will like, you know, maybe do her own womanly things, Mm -hmm. but like your advice will like kind of continue through her. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think that's interesting. Like the the way like the fight with your like this like father son fight over like how 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 to best like rear like what is legacy like what if your son's definition of legacy is different than your definition of legacy Mm -hmm. um versus like yeah i mean i think about not to like let's go back to game of thrones but i think about the fact like i i don't know i find the um the the relationship between um, Randall Tarley and Sam, his son, right? Mm-hmm. Like, kind of interesting il- illustrative of this, which is, yeah. um, if you remember, like, Sam is the oldest son. He is the heir to the Tarley family, which is one of the major families. Um, yeah. And Randall, his father, is so certain that his son will be a disappointment and a disgrace on his legacy um because he's you know fat and clumsy and into books and not a good yeah. hunter and all that thing that he threatens to murder his son if he doesn't go to the wall yeah like, and 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 like that is the i mean and obviously he's a bad dad like he's meant to be a bad dad but like <laughs> right you know that is the logic of like um having to secure the legacy it's not about securing the happiness of your child um Mm -hmm. it's not about securing um necessarily even the safety of your child it's about um i mean like you know maybe this is like a cliche at this point but like it's about immortality and like allowing yourself to to propagate Mm -hmm. on forever (laughs) um and so what's the best way to do that though of course you know randall tarley got screwed because he and his chosen heir were both burned to death. So mm-hmm. Sam is now the Tarly heir, and who knows what's going on with that. Who knows oh, what'll happen in Game of Thrones. Who? Join us on our Game of Thrones podcast. I'm so sorry. Okay, let's <laughs> No, I, I think it makes sense. I mean, um, I, I think that we... I, th- I think we do a really good job of... So this is actually, never mind. This is the most self-congratulatory thing possible is to congratulate yourself on what a great job you're doing on your own podcast as you're recording a podcast. <laughs> I that think we podcast. do a really great job of like, you know, getting into this stuff and only talking Talk- about Game of Thrones like a third of the time. <laughs> talking about what the stories we tell tell about us, you know. Oh, now you got um, it. Um, yeah, at the end of the All episode. right, so I'm going to wrap up because I'm sick of talking. Um couple of things if you're interested in this topic you should definitely listen to the podcast dad feelings um by Merritt k um it's it's really interesting um she like interviews people they talk about dads fictional or non-fictional um some epi- i really liked the mr rogers episode um i'm trying to think of some other ones if you're interested in the mcelroy's um, who are podcasters, if you don't know that. 
I'm sure you do. <laughs> uh, if you like them, they have a couple episodes on dad feelings, I think talking about fictional dads or talking about their own experiences with fatherhood. Um, mm-hmm. But just kind of, it's fun to scroll through and see. I haven't listened to every episode or anything, but just, you know, if any of them appeal to you, um, I definitely recommend getting giving it a listen. I think it's a really cool podcast. Yeah. Um, all right. Name one or two things that you've been reading, watching, etc., playing. Um, I've been playing uh, Slay the Spire, which Molly saw while we were in New York visiting a mutual friend. Indeed. Um, it's like a, a card-based RPG uh, that's like, it's a card-based roguelike RPG that's pretty fun, even if there's no real plot to it. I've also been reading uh, The Revenant Gun uh, by Yoon Ha Lee, which is a science fiction book about, um, I mean, I think a lot of these science fiction books is about, like, uh, destroying an empire and rebuilding something better and, like, what that means and, like, how do you, how do you, like, subvert a system um, of, like, sacrifice, human sacrifice and, like, slavery, uh, you know, like, without succumbing to the temptations to, like, remake it in the old version, old image. Um, which I think is interesting. I like the, this is, the series is called The Machineries of Empire, I believe, and I think it's a fun series. Like, I think um, it has a concept called calendrical warfare, where, like, the the rituals and, like, festivities you hold in your calendar give your culture, like, certain, like, pseudo-magical effects. Um, so, like, if you fail to hold a festivity on the right day, uh, you actually might destabilize your calendar and, like, some event, like, some, like, you know, faster than light speed travel or something might no longer work as effectively. So they have this whole, like, inquisitor class that, like, makes sure everyone, like, does non-hierarchical thoughts because their society is, like, literally built on, like, sacrificing someone every, you know, every third week or something. Um, It's an interesting concept. Uh, The actual books are about overthrowing that empire, so it doesn't go into that detail very much, but I think it's it's a really unique take. Cool. Yeah, um, Molly. I'll just say that I watched while we were in New York. Uh, we watched the first two episodes of the new season of Queer Eye, and it was great. And I can't wait to watch more. Oh yeah, that was great. It was very heartwarming, was as you might guess. They're they're designed to be tearjerkers. Yeah, they're they are. They're designed to be tearjerkers, and they just make you like everything in the world right now is just built to make me hate everything <laughs> uh, and have like I don't know I hate being like saying that like cliche phrases like oh you just like lose faith in humanity um, well here's the thing it's a it's, it hasn't been a great run for humanity but it's, lately yeah humanity's been bad so occasionally it's nice to turn on something like Queer Eye where you're like aw humans <laughs> humans for that like are half like... a second <laughs> oh, right. people who care about other people and like have emotions and aren't Okay. Anyway, <laughs> have emotions. Honestly, just like have emotions. Have like emotions um, for other people that are not themselves. Some baseline empathy. Um, yeah. Baseline goddamn empathy. Okay. Um, so uh, yeah. So follow us on Twitter at Story Gets Cast. I am at the Molly Jean. That's M O L Y J E A N N E. Alice is at at Alonculus, which she will now spell for you. Uh, A-L-O-N-K-U-L-O-U-S. Nice. Um, you can email us as well at storygutscast at gmail.com. Yep. Um, rate and subscribe. Uh, 
add us individually as well if you want like a prompt response um and yeah thanks for listening you know once again this is our 26th episode which would be our one year anniversary if we didn't release like eight episodes all at once um at the beginning of this podcast but um thanks for probably about our one year anniversary of when we started recording yeah yeah i mean it's true like thanks for yeah thanks for sticking with us um for all this time and sorry for like the i I, i'm apologizing both to molly and our listeners for myself today it's been exhausting pride weekend that's a good Uh, reason for it to be exhausting go pride yeah i know i'm just like dropping he's like yeah pride weekend yeah go pride Uh, (laughs) all right well i'm sorry because i talked about game of thrones but we all knew it was going to happen so we all knew it was going to happen so yep have a great uh have a great rest of your life and (laughs) stay hungry (laughs) 